It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey, hello, 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 everyone. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Body of Christ Real Talk. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Hello, everyone from the USFA and also my international listeners. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good mid morning, good afternoon, good mid afternoon, good evening, good mid evening. And to my night listeners, wherever you are, USA or internationally around the world, hello, welcome to Body of Christ real talk okay i'm going to get right into this you all for the ones that's been listening to my uh, my shows for the last week or so i've been doing a little short somewhat uh expose and a series on uh the christian faith mainly with the youngsters uh so-called falling away from the faith and falling away from the church or some people in old school is like myself and us we used to call it backsliding uh and stuff like that you know in turn as the word backsliding. So I've been doing a, a series on that for the last few weeks and I've been hitting different areas pertaining to being a Christian compared to a believer. And for the newbies that haven't been listening to me or don't know what I'm talking about, please go back to my previous podcast shows and you will see where I'm going because I don't have time because of time constraints to get into that or reiterate what I was talking about. But please go back and you will find that on my previous shows because I think it's the last three or four. That's all I'm talking about. And I'm going to be doing that quite a bit on Body of Christ Real Talk. Now, this is not going to be per se Bible study like I do on Connecting the Dots, but it will be a biblical perspective of the Bible and the faith or trying to be saved or understanding what a Christian is compared to a believer or walking with Christ etc and stuff like that and the gospel and the salvation salvation message I will basically be getting into that but what I want to talk about today and I'm getting right into this is piggybacking it's piggybacking on all uh, the whole other previous shows that I've been talking about what I want to talk about today, I, I got a, uh, and this is a good brother, man. I don't know him personally, but I listen to uh, a couple of, I, I listen to his shows often. Uh, not all the time, but often I listen to his show because, you know, for one reason or the other. Excuse me. But anyway, uh, I'm going to let you listen to this brother. I'm not going to so, so much put his name out there because I don't want nobody thinking something negative about it because I think this brother is a pretty decent teacher. You know, his doctrine, uh, his belief is basically close to what I believe in, but I don't think he's really into rightly dividing on dispensations and to a, to an extent, let me just put it that way, but he still, I believe, is a man of God and and the reason I'm saying all this before I let you listen to this uh, this uh, video, and uh, it's a very important to know the gospel. That's the most important thing for a person, man and woman, 
to believe is I mean to become a, 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 a believer or the term Christian is the gospel correct do you agree with me it agree with me about knowing what the gospel or how you got saved somebody come to you and ask you came to you and asked you how did you get saved or how you know you saved would you know how would you know what to tell them how would you tell them and what scriptures or verses will you use in the bible you ever thought about that many believers have not because we have been trained to look at the gospel message in so many ways in the bible to be saved which is not true because of the different churches and the different ways of salvation god dealt with different people within the bible but we have been uh you know told in our growing up it depends on your uh denomination that you grew up grew up in on what is salvation and what must you and i do to be saved okay so I'm going to let you listen. I'm not going to explain why I'm letting you listen to it now, but I'm going to elaborate on what this brother is saying about uh, why. First of all, let me let me let me hit something. Uh, let me go back. Let me see which one is this. Let me go with the first one. I'm getting set up here. Bear with me. Bear with me. And uh, let me pause it. Let this soft okay, I don't like these mineral melt in your mouth to rebuild your gums and teeth and never need uh, too many commercials. I don't got time for all those commercials, but you might see that. But he teaches on different topics, which I like different topics about the Christian life. What's happening around the world and different beliefs and sometimes different faiths. This brother teaches on that. And uh, and what I want you to listen to now I want you to agree or disagree I don't want to be leading you or nothing I'm going to give my take and then I want you to think about it uh, do you agree with me do you agree with him and, and, listen this is not a contest but you fall and most believers falls in this category most believers falls in this category I'm not going to tell you what it is but According to the series I am I am I'm trying to do and it's important when I when I was breaking down the difference between a Christian and a believer because Christians that name that term is used so loosely a lot of people use the term Christian are you a Christian oh I'm a Christian I'm on this I believe because it is I'm a Christian because of that but the majority of them are not believers. Now, they're self-claimed Christians. That's why I separate Christian or Christendom or Christianity from being a true believer in the body of Christ. You know, because Christians is used so loosely. But I get it. I get it. I get it. So don't think I'm not. I'm ignorant on that. I get it. You know, I'm not saying don't, don't say Christian or don't tell. You must be. If somebody asks you about are you a Christian, if they ask you that, you should be able to explain what is a Christian. People, what I'm talking about, people never been challenged this way. And this is something that just came to my heart. Never been challenged this way when it comes to a Christian. Because if a person say a Christian, many people that says that even some believers do not understand what Christian means. They just think that's a person that believes in the moral of God or, you know, they believe in Jesus. They believe in the Bible or something like that. Or they believe in the, the some teachings of being a Christian 
many believers and unbelievers don't understand the history of the name or the term Christian. I did not either a few years ago. The term Christian, why was that name even brought out? Was it God saying that you are now Christians? Was this Peter and Paul and them saying you are now Christians? No, it was not. So you have to understand why that name was used. It's very important when it comes to Christian. You know, because the history of the name Christian, not Christianity or walking of a believer, but the name Christian was a derogatory bad name against the believers of Christ. Okay? That's all it was for. It was like calling somebody a bad name. You know? You know, it's almost like calling somebody white trash or calling a black man a nigga or calling somebody a bad name or you somebody somebody you are a follower or something. They might say you are a follower of Trump, so they might call you a Trumpster. You're a follower of a Barama, so you like they give you names. You know, or just say the Trinity, the Triune, I believe, and the Triune, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, I I know that's not the name Trinity in the Bible, but it became known as Trinity through tradition, not the Bible, through tradition, the, the name Trinity. So by me believing in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, someone that don't believe in the Godhead, there might be somewhat of a oneness church, which is another derogatory name. Uh, uh, they would call a person that believes in the Trinity, per se, a Trinitarian. You see what I'm saying? They will, they will, the, a person that don't believe in God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit calls uh, the ones that believe in the Trinity, Trinitarians. And then vice versa, the ones that believe in the, uh, the deity of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, might cause the one, ones that don't believe in the oneness people or the oneness church. You understand what I'm saying? So there's names. It's a reason why certain traditional names came out so you go backwards that's how it was with Christianity they knew about Christ they heard about Jesus this Messiah that rose again they knew about that so they was following the ways of Christ so they called them Christian was the name so you one of those Christians which means you you one of those Christ-like or Christ followers see that's where that name came from it wasn't from God it wasn't ordained by God God didn't tell Paul to say that you know, no, it was just a name. So why do why I'm going there? Because I want you to understand the, the history believer. I'm talking to believers now of Christianity before you use that term Christian. We say I'm a Christian. Explain to them what you mean by Christian. OK, that's very important. All right. Now, what I'm going to play now, uh, I'm going to do a little the next few podcasts. I'm going to do some audios you know and uh about how people somewhat got saved i'm gonna go to this video about this gay pride that these believers went to and they was witness to gay people and you know uh it's a lot of gay pride uh pride movements and stuff like that and allegedly or supposedly these uh this this gay man supposed to have got saved and everything, you know, about his salvation message. And I'm going I'm to show a Ray Comfort. You know about Ray Comfort. He's a Calvinist, Lordship Salvation. You know how I feel about that. He's going to uh, win somewhat, win someone to Christ and everything like that. And I just want you to look at this. I want you to look at this slowly. Then I'm going to just, you know, you come to your, some of you might get touched and you are saved, you know, because it touches your heart when somebody's really seeking. Now, when a person is really seeking, what's the most important thing they need to know? the gospel not any type of gospel the gospel for today 
That's because this is the only gospel to be saved today. You, you see where I'm going, okay? But I'm going to talk about those things as well, and I'm going to break down why I have an issue with this, you know. Okay, let me let you listen to this right now. Um, this this uh, young man, I guess it's okay to say his name because I'm not saying nothing bad about him. He's a good teacher, you know. But I want you to, uh, to uh, listen to this and you will go from there. His name is Alan Parr. He's got a, a YouTube ministry called The Beat. You can find him on YouTube. Look him up on YouTube. His name is Alan Parr. So I'm going to let you listen to him. And I'm, gonna tell you, I'm not going to tell you why, but I'm going to let you listen to him. This is going to be about 16 uh, minutes long. I'm going uh, to try to keep it this 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 program maybe by what? I say 30 minutes, give him time to do his show and then give me time to elaborate. So just say about between 30 and 35 minutes. I'm going to try to keep it right there. If I shut up right now, here we go. His name is Alan Parr. All right, let's get this together. I need a dentist again. Did you know there is a natural way uh, to regrow teeth and gums that don't... I've got news for you. Many professing Christians who go to church every Sunday, who give money to their church, and probably were... Looking for something different this Thanksgiving? Take your family to the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. Just minutes from I-95 with free admission and parking. This is the perfect holiday outing for families of every size. You'll love the flight and tank simulators, 300-degree theater, and interactive training center. And you'll come face-to-face with rare and never-before-seen artifacts from Army history. It's all at the National Army Museum, with shopping and dining, too. Open on Thanksgiving Day and all weekend long. Plan your visit at usarmymuseum.org. Want a holiday gift your employees or clients will actually love? Send them gourmet peanuts from Hubbard Peanut Company. Hubs Peanuts is a family-owned company that's been making high-quality, delicious peanuts and sending them to every corner of the globe since 1954. Order some of Hubs plain, salted, or chocolate-covered peanuts in a special gift tin for the perfect gift for your friends, employees, clients, or even yourself. Visit HubsPeanuts.com. That's H-U-B-S-Peanuts.com. Raised in a Christian home, unfortunately on Judgment Day, are going to sadly find out that they are going to hell. And my friend, it is very possible that you watching this video right now very well may be in that number. Now, that opening was not meant in any way to spark any sort of fear or shock value in you. But the reality is that Jesus said that one day at judgment, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Now, that's not the passage of scripture that we're going to look at in this particular video. But what I believe is happening in our society today is that we are placing such a huge emphasis on just believe, believe, believe. And let me be very, very clear. Believing in Jesus Christ is the only prerequisite for being a Christian. Over the past six months, we have been investigating as well as exposing the truth behind all of these food processing plans. The question is, what does it actually mean to believe? Okay, sorry about that. Now, what I don't like about YouTube, even on short videos, they have to put ads in. So they kind of mess up the flow when you're trying to do something on the show so when you hear ad interrupts or something like that you know i'm gonna try to go up even faster but it prolongs the time when it's necessary unnecessary ads just interrupts i know they got to pay for things like that but youtube has become 
so polarized with ads and different things like that that it mess up a flow of a uh, a program that you're trying to present. So I apologize for that. But what I do want to go back on is the opening, Brother Allen Parr's opening. Now the title. If you look at, let me tell you what the title is. The title is Many Christians Will Go to Hell Because of This. Now, first of all, the title is kind of somewhat misleading because people look at Christians and believers look at Christians as being a saved person, right? So when you say, when the title is uh, titled Many Christians Will Be Gone, Will Go to Hell Because of This. That title will infer that Christians can lose their salvation because of something they have done. See, so when I look at many Christians, remember, Christians are used loosely. It might not even affect you. Why? Because you might believe that a Christian can lose their salvation. Some of you that listen to me, so it won't affect you. But a person that differs from that, it will it will put a red mark up there like myself. So the title is already to me. Misleading. It may not be to you, but to me it's misleading, okay? We can differ on that. Many Christians will go to hell because of this, okay? Let me continue to go forward. What does it actually look like to believe? And is your belief consistent with your behaviors? Because James says that if you have faith without works, that is a dead faith. So I believe that there is another passage of scripture that we're going to dig into today in this particular video, that if it was explained to more people who say they want to be a disciple, who say they want to be a Christian, before they actually walk down this road, if they were to truly think about it and try to uh, understand whether it is they want to take this step, I think we'd have a whole lot less false conversions and a whole lot less people who are deconstructing their faith. Let's jump in. Beginning in Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it says this. Now, great crowds were traveling with him. Now, let's just stop right here. We're going to break this passage of scripture down. I want you to visualize this for just a moment. You may have to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine this huge crowd of people who are traveling with Jesus. And basically, they've heard about what he can do. They've heard about him raising the dead and healing the blind and, and healing the sick and doing all these different things. And maybe they're following him because they want to see a magic show. Maybe they're following him because they need something from him. They want to be healed. They want their, uh, their, their family members to be healed or whatever it is. But what Jesus is getting ready to say in this passage, he is going to separate the committed from the crowd. And I want you to ask yourself, while you're going through this passage with me, are you just part of the crowd of people that are following Jesus? Or are you part of the committed that Jesus is going to explain and describe here? Now, let's keep going. Now, great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me, now let's just stop right there. Because what we see here is that whatever Jesus is going to say next, he is applying it to anyone and everyone who says they want to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple, anyone who names the name Christian. He says, what I'm getting ready to say is. Okay. Did you hear that? 
I'm not going to say, did you catch that? Because it's a catch for me. It might be something that sounds uh, uh, familiar or you can get it. You get it. If you look at it in a way that he said that. Now, he, he went to this passage in Luke. And he talked about the crowds. The King James says the multitudes, which means crowds that was following him. That anybody wanted to follow him, et cetera, or something like that. Remember, he says everybody. This what Jesus is telling people in this passage, he's talking to everyone. Everyone means everyone. Not only the audience. Now remember. I'm, I'm very specific on audience and context. Now, remember that the audience at that time, not in the future or nothing like that, the audience at the time is Jews, Israel. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's Israel. Now, just, just picture that. He's talking to Israel, but according to uh, Brother Alan Parr, you could apply it to everyone. Now, I don't want to misquote him, but he, I believe he's saying everyone, even for the believer today. You know, the Gentile believers, you know, this applies to everyone. Jesus, then he said, Jesus is saying to Christians. Did you hear that? Christians. Now, why did I stop there? Because remember, there was no Christians in that time. There was no name people called Christians. They were just followers or disciples of Christ. There was no Christians, but Alan Parr just saying Jesus is telling Christians. Now he might, it might be a slip of a tongue or whatever like that. I know he knows better than that, but I don't want to just judge nobody because a slip of the tongue. But I'm just talking about to the ones that listens to this, you know, listens to this, you know, they will assume that this passage was for everybody and every. Christian, even though the name Christian didn't come out later till the times of Acts 11 back further back. But I don't want to get too picky or hyper about it. I just want to know. I want you to listen to that because I'm going to tell you why I'm going there. It might seem like I'm picking, but this is very important for the believer today. Okay. Is what I am requiring of somebody who says they want to be a disciple. Because oftentimes we think, oh, you know what? Uh, I can do this because I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. I'm not a missionary. I'm not this. I'm not in ministry. Oh, no, no, no. What Jesus is getting ready to say is it, 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 whatever it is, I, I'm applying it from the pulpit to the pew. Okay, let's just see what he says. The first quality of a disciple, somebody who says they want to be a Christian, is that they elevate their faith over their family. Notice it says here, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and later on it says, he cannot be my disciple. So Jesus is basically laying it down here. Now I want you to understand that the way Jesus is using the word hate here, he's not talking about uh, uh, seeing somebody in a negative light. He's basically using hyperbole to set the bar so high that he's basically saying, how you see me and everybody else, there should be such a huge gap between your faith and every other relationship, so much so that in comparison to me, it seems as though you hate these people because you're so prioritizing your relationship with me. And so, listen, you might be in a situation where it's difficult to share your faith with your family or your friends, or you might risk embarrassment or shame or whatever. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be a disciple, you have to be willing to elevate your relationship with me, with Jesus Christ, 
And that has to take preeminence over every single other relationship, the person that you're dating, even the person that you're married to, every other relationship. Quality number two, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So now he's talking about sacrifice over self-centeredness. You see, there's this tendency in our lives to want to do what we want to do and to do our will. But Jesus is saying, I am calling anyone who wants to be a disciple to a life of surrender, a life of sacrifice, where we constantly put down what we want in exchange for what God wants. But see, what we want to do is we want to compartmentalize our lives. We have certain things that we say, okay, God, I'm going to give you control over this. Oh, but not over this. Right? I'll, I'll let you control over my money. I'll give money to the church. Oh, but I don't want you to control my, my sexuality or my dating relationships or my marriage or what you know you may want me to do with my career or my money. So, so it's like we're, 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 we've got one foot in, but there's some areas of our lives where we're just not willing to surrender. And he says, if you want to be a disciple... What I'm calling you to is a life of total and complete surrender. See, this passage, it needs to be explained to new Christians so that they know exactly what they are getting themselves into and what they are signing up for from the jump. Let's keep going. Quality number three, pain. Okay. Good breakdown. Good explanation. A good explanation of applying it for today for believers today I'm going to just exclude the Christian for believers today uh, what was that Luke 14 and 24 now what we have a habit of doing and what he is doing he's speculating a lot what Jesus is really meaning did you follow that he's speculating a lot I'm not saying he's wrong but he's speculating, speculating a lot what Jesus really meant. He's talking about the high level. He's also using the term Christian and disciples together. To, it's almost like he's saying being a Christian means you have to be a disciple. Now, remember, a disciple means a learned one. It's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with that. When Jesus said, for, in order for you to be my disciples... You go back to the audience he was talking to, mainly the 12, because the 12 was known as the what? The 12 disciples, not the 12 Christians. The 12 disciples, okay? That's what it was used. Jesus used that term, the 12 disciples, the learned one, okay? Now, not only that, but the disciples and whoever was following him was under what? The Mosaic law. They was under the Jewish covenant most. Looking for something different this Thanksgiving? Take your family to the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. Just minutes from I-95 with free admission and parking. This is the perfect holiday outing for families of every size. You'll love the flight and tank simulators, 300-degree theater, and interactive training center. And you'll come face-to-face -face with rare and never-before-seen artifacts from Army history. It's all at the National Army Museum, with shopping and dining, too. Open on Thanksgiving Day and all weekend long. Plan your visit at usarmymuseum.org. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. 
or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. So when you apply what Jesus was saying to us today as Christians, you have to be careful. Because when you do that, you put in the two churches together the way we get saved today under the teachings of Paul. I call this mixing prophecy and mystery. He's not doing that. But listen to what I'm saying. I'm talking about mixing two churches. You're applying something that happened in the four Gospels when Jesus earthly ministered and you compare it, apply, you, you, uh, compare it to the believers today, which is under the gospel of grace, under the ministries of Paul. You see what I'm saying? Whether he know that or not, I don't know. But one thing that's that becomes a problem when you don't know how to rightly divide. See, it's okay to read passages out of the four Gospels and the Old Testament. We should, but we should learn how to rightly divide it. What was Jesus talking to them about? Now, some things are universal that we can apply today, not as a commandment, but we can use today. But when you try and the title says many Christians will go to hell because of this. I don't see nothing he talking about that's proven that Christians go to hell according to what? So that's a, when I listened to this first time, I found that misleading. You know, and I would like to talk to him about that. Why do you say that? Because your title and what you're talking about don't really go hand in hand. Are you saying that people don't be a disciple or they don't surrender themselves fully, which almost sounds like lordship or Calvinist, that people will lose their salvation or what? Are you saying people that believe in Christian morals or people believe or think they are Christian? Because that's not fully explained, as you will find out in this podcast. So that's what's misleading. That's what's misleading. So I wanted to throw it out there. He's reading the Matthew, uh, Luke 14 and 24, which is, first of all, the Gospels. And first of all, when he started mentioning the disciples, he's telling the believer of today, which he calls Christians and disciples interchangeably, that this message Jesus is talking to them applies to the church today as well. Now I'm going to let him continue then I'm going to finish out because of time constraints but I wanted you to just follow that okay? Over pleasure. Now notice it says here, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see in these days there were a lot of people who were losing their lives because of their faith and here's the reality saints Jesus, for most of us, is not even calling us to a life where we might be in jeopardy of of losing our lives or being a martyr. He is just simply saying, you know what? In this life, there's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be humiliation. There's going to be shame. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be all of these. There's going to be loss. There's going to be financial struggles. There's going to be marital stress, strain, and struggles. But see, the issue for many of us, because we're not taught this, because we've been fed this cotton candy gospel, this watered down version of the gospel, this seeker sensitive type of gospel, this gospel from the church and from the pulpit, oftentimes where they're afraid to mention sin, they're afraid to call out certain things, they're afraid to to challenge people to go deeper in their faith. What happens is when these things come into their lives, they're disillusioned and they don't know what to think because they've been fed this lie that everything in their life is going to go well. And as a result, whenever pain comes, whenever it's time for them to carry their own cross, 
Hey guys, I made this quick review video for my subscribe. Okay, another commercial. That's uh Okay, another commercial going through. Now, we all grew up in the church. We heard the term carrying the cross. We must carry our cross. I know I have in the Church of God of Christ and the Pentecostal uh, Church. Now, like I said, I don't want you to think I'm cherry picking and nitpicking on what he's teaching. I'm just trying to break down a lot of issues that's in the church today that really mean well. Church as in church buildings, not the body of Christ. Church as in church buildings that's being taught. If you grew up in the church denominational type of setting and you, you still teach the majority of your teaching out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, etc., James, Peter, and all that, this good news to you, this sounds so uplifting, and it is. It sounds so positive because you are used to this type of doctrine and type of teaching on the church you was brought up in or this is still in your heart not your head now it's in your heart so you wouldn't have too many issues with this because it's very motivational many christians are and believers are so caught up in motivation motivation type of speaking make you feel good uh sometimes you use allegories a lot and sometimes you start reading into things or you start speculating now what Brother Allen does, and a lot of us got a habit of that, but what Brother Allen, excuse that sound, that's the uh, air conditioner you hear, I hope it doesn't affect my audio too much, but what Brother Allen uh, is saying, he understands, because he said that himself, he understands that we don't have to bear a, bear a cross and whatever like that to, for our salvation and stuff like that, which he is correct. He is very true about that. But when you just use a passage about carrying your cross, it's almost like you're mixing it. You're still just putting them together. And I'm going to prove that. I'm going to let you listen to a few reviews that people that follow his teaching or newbies or whatever like that. And how and I'm, and just by listening to their reviews, what they take out of this message. And then I'm going to explain to you what I mean by that. I'm going to tell you what a message like this will have, lead a lot of believers to think he's saying this. Even though he might not be saying, I listen to Brother Alan Parsons, and he knows the difference of assurance of salvation and stuff like that. He knows that. He believes that you can't lose your salvation, which um, most of his uh, his YouTube, from what I see, he believes in the assurance of salvation, which is good. But many believers need uh, a deeper explaining because when they hear a message like this they, they mind go focus on something they have to keep doing more and more better and better and better to stay in compliance and the way Christ wants you to be according to certain passages he's uh, using okay so let me just go ahead I'm going to try to let him finish and I'm just you know go from there then you just come to your own conclusion okay subscribers to let you know about a great survival resource that I'm giving away for free for the next few days. They want to shake their angry fists in the face of God and ultimately leave the church and ultimately leave the faith. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm actually calling you to a, a life that is going to include pain, difficulty, and hardship.
Number four, relationship over religion. Notice he says here, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, or another version says, follow me, cannot be my disciple. Now, do you see the strong language that Jesus is using here? Cannot be my disciple. So he's inviting us to a, to a relationship with him, not just religion. He says, you have to follow me. What does that look like? That means spending time with him. That means praying. That means fasting. That means trusting. That means learning. That means obeying. That means worshiping. All That means putting our, our, our trust in him. See, what religion is, okay, let me go to church. Let me give some money. Maybe let me, you know, uh, hang out with some Christian friends or whatever. No, that, those are all religious activities. What Jesus is calling us to is a life of intimate fellowship with him. I'm not the one that writes. He says, look, if you don't come after me and follow me in relationship, he says, you cannot be my disciple. Number five, commitment over convenience. Let's see what it says. But don't begin. I'm reading this from the New Living this time. Okay, the passage you use, a true passage. Jesus said, if you don't follow me. Now, he's not using the King James. He used a different uh, translations. Uh, he's interchangeably. I don't think he used the King James at all. You know, he's using other translations, which is uh, I check on that. If you don't follow me, remember this passage. I'm going to use it like he's saying, you cannot be my disciple. First, he used the cross. Terms that's used. In Jesus' earthly ministry. Then he said, if you don't follow me, you cannot be discipled. Then he broke down his analogy, what it means for today. You see? It's almost like reading into what Jesus really means. Okay, let's go back to the audience. Let's play this film. Let's go back to Jerusalem. When Jesus was on the earth. Jesus, excuse me, was on the earth and he was teaching his disciples or his followers. He taught them all kind of terms. He taught them about the parables. I named the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes and different things like that. They did it. They got it. But remember, the audience was Israel. The audience was the Jews. The audience was Israel. Okay. All right. You got to use certain fundamentals. The audience was Israel. Now, he applying what Jesus is saying today, if you don't take up your cross, you can, or you don't follow me, you cannot be my disciples. Now, is that true? That is very true. Yes, that's true. But you have to remember, now listen, listen carefully what I'm saying so you don't miss hearing what I'm saying. It took a certain requirement to stay on the right edge or the right walk under the kingdom program, under the law. It was certain requirements that the Jews had to follow and do. First of all, they had to believe who he was. They had to believe he was their Messiah. They had to believe he was the son of God. They had to believe he was their king. First of all, they, was, they understood that. So they knew it was a narrow walk. They were still under the law. So it took a certain submission they had to do to follow Jesus under his earthly ministry. Okay? 
every according to Jesus' earthly ministry, everything a believer, not a Christian, remember I told you about that, a believer or a disciple, the learned one, had to do. See, when Jesus said, in that time, take up my cross and follow me, yes, he was talking about the persecutions that they would go through. Not so much explaining your uh, pan bills or pan ties or heartaches you go through. I understand why I'm going on with this, but we got to keep it in context. You have, you must take off your cross because Jesus already told you you have to leave your families and da 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 da. I agree. Jesus did tell on that, but when he said take up your cross and follow me, that's kind of a negative way, not a negative way by him saying it, but he said that no, no you're going to have struggles, you're going to have persecutions. You're going to get persecuted by believing in me. That's what I'm getting out of this according to the context. You, you understand what I'm saying? See, so you can't just throw it out there and he's, he's talking about our life. Looking for something different this Thanksgiving? Take your family to the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. Just minutes from I-95 with free admission and parking. This is the perfect holiday outing for families of every size. You'll love the flight and tank simulators, 300-degree theater, and interactive training center. And you'll come face-to-face -face with rare and never-before-seen artifacts from Army history. It's all at the National Army Museum, with shopping and dining, too. Open on Thanksgiving Day and all weekend long. Plan your visit at usarmymuseum.org. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Lifestyles today, uh, you know, paying this money. I'm doing this. I'm following this. I'm doing this. Whatever, like that. I'm going to church. You cannot do that. See, that's the confusion when it comes. You have to literally put it, keep it in context, and remember the audience that Jesus is talking to and what and what conditions they was under in that time. You see. You know, I like the term Jesus wasn't talking to you. At this time, Jesus wasn't talking to the church, the body of Christ. The body of Christ wasn't in existence then. The church of the day wasn't in existence then. So we can't use allegory and brings what we think Jesus is saying and apply to us today. You said, Joe, it's nothing wrong, but we have our duties and we already have our process through most of the teachings of the Apostle Paul. We don't even have to go here. The Apostle Paul has some guidelines for the church today. You see what I'm saying? You, see, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's wrong what he's doing. I just say I disagree. And you might agree. It's okay. No, no love lost. But my point is, when you keep going through the four Gospels and uh, Peter, James, John, or whatever, for a doctrine for us today, you're going to have some issues because there was many things they had to abide by. More than what Jesus was saying then to be one of his followers. It was certain things they also had to do. They had to be baptized in water. They had to follow the law. They had to make sacrifices. They had strict laws and more stricter laws in marriage. It was so many other things they had to do. But when Jesus said, taking up your cross, this is where I look at it. He was taking, if you keep it in context, you're going to be suffering persecution. You're going to get, per and they did. 
The disciples got persecuted for what? Mainly, not their lifestyle, but what they believed about Jesus. They're going to suffer persecution. You will not know that unless you keep it in context and know the audience who he's talking to. You will not apply that to you. Now, a lot of those things we can use today, what Alan is saying, yes, for ourselves. But it was a conditioning and commandment for them which is not a commandment for us to keep us close to Christ. You see what I'm saying? We don't need those conditions to keep us at a certain level with Christ. Christ paid for everything already for us. We are already the righteousness. Ain't got nothing to do with our conduct. We, Paul talks about that also. We need to bear fruit and get stronger, yes, but not to the point that we're going to stay at a certain level or this. You know, the term surrender is all that's mostly used in church today. So you understand what I'm saying? So let me get back to this. And try to end it and tell you why I'm critiquing like this. Until you count the cost. I love this. He says, hey, this is what I've been getting to this entire video. He says, don't even start down the road of saying you want to be a Christian. You want to be a disciple of Christ. He says, don't begin until you think about it, until you consider, until you count the cost of what might be required of you. As a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's why I said this passage needs to be taught to every single new believer. As a matter of fact, if you have a friend who just got saved within the last year, send them this video and make sure they watch this so that they are not disillusioned about what it means to truly be a Christian. Let's keep going. For who would be. Okay. He made a requirement of a new believer. If anybody know a new believer, they should send them this, this passage, this verse, per se, to know how to walk as a Christian. Remember, the name Christian is used very loosely, see? And basically, what this is saying, and what I'm getting out of this, is what you can be doing yourself to be a better Christian or stay stronger to be a Christian, so that's basically what he's saying. You need verses like that because it's, it's in a certain requirement. Now, remember, he's getting this out of the book of Luke, uh, which is Old Testament, which is Jesus' earthly ministry. The requirement to keep a close, close walk to Jesus is you need to be prepared. You need to make sure if this is what you really want. You really, really got to make sure about the walk to really walk this walk with Jesus. Now, an issue what that is no the only way if it's pertaining to salvation or a walk you need to be specific because today all the only thing Jesus is requires for us today is what belief our faith of what he did not works not we must do this it's basically believing what he did and then the fruits and the fruit growing and the works comes later so Jesus Today, under this heavenly ministry, only requires one thing. It ain't got nothing to do with what you're doing or whatever. It requires you first to be saved. Now, since he used the term for the benefit of all, for new believers, according to the gospel today, First uh, Timothy 2 and 4, what comes after salvation? The knowledge of the truth. See? Okay, what is the knowledge of the truth when you keep it in context in Paul's day? The knowledge of the truth is the teachings of Paul because we're under 
the uh the teachings of Paul today. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we can't read that and use. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. But my point is, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna send a new believer anywhere, it would be the books of Paul, and then I would send them back to this to learn about the history, what Jesus was doing for the Jews, then and what was their requirements. A lot of their requirements they had to do back then. It's not required for the church today under grace you follow what i'm saying they had to endure they had to do certain things to keep up with jesus jesus said if you my disciple you must pick up the cross and follow me they had strict rules they had to follow to stay saved back then we do not they still can sin and lose their salvation and lose their fellowship. We will not lose our salvation. We could break fellowship, but never our salvation because our sins has already been dealt with past, present, and future. You see the difference? That's my point. It's very important for the believer today to understand it. Let me let him finish, okay? would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it. He says, who does that? Who starts building an entire building only to realize they don't have enough money to be able to finish it? Nobody does that. Instead, what we do is we look at the bank and we say, okay, you know, in fact, we've got banks that approve us for loans to make sure that we don't do this, make sure we have the money. We have to count the cost. We have to consider it. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, I'm calling you to do the same thing with regards to your relationship with me. He says, otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Wow. Isn't that what we see today? So many people starting down the road of building their faith only to leave it partially built. I believe the word that we call that is deconstruction. I believe that we would have less stories of deconstruction today if on the front end of someone's conversion, we clearly taught them what it means to be a disciple. I'm gonna get in trouble for this. I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. You can now speak any language anywhere in the world thanks to this new device. This device lets you communicate with any... If you're a church leader watching this, I want you to ask yourself the question, as new people come into your church and they get uh, uh, baptized, are you explaining to them what it means to be a Christian? Or are we just simply trying to get them into a small group or getting to serve at church, which is nothing wrong with that. But they need to know what is required of them as a Christian before they move on. And finally, number six, usefulness over uselessness. Notice he says here, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Listen, salt in those days was used as a flavor enhancement. Now, I'm just gonna be honest with you, some of y'all need to use some more salt in your, in your food, okay, amen. Okay, but we're gonna move off of that, okay? Listen, salt changes the flavor. Salt was also used as a preservative. In either case, what is he saying? Salt is a change agent. When you put salt on stuff, stuff starts changing, taste starts changing, right? And he's saying in the same way, that's why he says we are to be salt because we are to be change agents. But instead, and far too often, we are not changing the culture around us. Instead, we are being changed 
by the culture that is around us. And Jesus is saying here, if the salt is not performing its job of changing the atmosphere and changing the situation, he says, what good is it? How do you make it salty again? As a matter of fact, there's a secondary use of salt. In those days, they would throw salt on a pile of manure to keep the weeds from growing up. And Jesus is basically saying, I can't even use you for that. <laughs> Notice it says here, he says here, flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He says, look, I, not only can I use you not for to change and, 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 and for the seasoning and all that stuff, I can't even use you for the most basic thing, which is to throw salt on a manure pile and keep the weeds from growing up. He says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, my friend, listen, I know at this point in the video, you might be scared. You might be thinking, listen, this video was not intended to spark crazy fear in you to make you question your salvation. No, no, no. But it was intended as a heart check, as a warning. And for some of you watching this video, it should create some fear because if you've gone most of your life and if you're being honest with yourself, just honest you have no relationship with Jesus. You may call out to him whenever you need something or you pray whenever something's in trouble. But, but you, let's be honest, you, you don't really read your Bible. You don't really pray and you're really not going to church. And it hasn't just been that way for a short season. This has been a consistent theme of yours for most of your life. This video was intended for you. This passage of scripture was intended for you because it's intended for you to take a close look at your life and ask yourself the question, am I really a Christian? Because the answer to that question could determine your entire eternal destiny. And if you want to be a Christian, the only prerequisite is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But that belief Okay, this this is something important I want to keep continue to get to. The, the next few videos I'm going to be showing you is very important. I want you to listen to the salvation message, which is very important today for the church today, the body of Christ, to understand what is the salvation message. Now, you heard, I'm going to play it back. You know, and I'm not putting them down, but the salvation message. Say, Joe, you keep saying you're not putting people down when you're finna put them down. Come on now, you know you deserve it. A steak patty on any McDonald's breakfast sandwich. I mean any breakfast sandwich. Biscuit, McMuffin, bagel, McGriddles, a juicy steak patty on any breakfast sandwich. And when you order through the app, buy one and get one free. Now go get them. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Down. No, I don't put. I don't put them down. I'm just saying this is a disagreement. Let me be specific about salvation. 
you know, because many people, many, the church, Christendom has different ways that people can get saved, including the sinner's prayer. And he explained and somewhat that pastors or teachers that's in the church that's listening to that message or they finna get someone baptized or whatever like that. Now the first thing they are already uh, in error already because they don't need baptism. People don't need baptized. But that's, that's another thing. But I'm uh, just to keep it in play. If you finna go baptize what he is saying according to what I believe he's saying before they even get baptized are you explaining them what they're getting into? or what they need to be doing or what they need to be prepared for. That's his explanation of that. Now, I don't have nothing wrong with that. I don't really know where he's going with that, but I just want to keep things in context of what he said. I don't want to use him as a straw man or what he really be saying and really believe because I don't know. I'm just going by how people will see this. Because remember, when you're on video, especially video, and you well known like he is now, you're going to have your naysayers and your yaysayers. That's going to critique you and you need to have some thick skin because, you know, you're going to get critiqued. People are going to uh, take every word you say purposely and, and use you as a straw man or they're just going, not going to understand it, or they're just going to disagree. Now, disagreement is OK. You can disagree with somebody without calling them a false preacher or a false teacher. You understand what I'm saying? Because you disagree don't mean they are a false teacher. In other words, they can call you the same thing because they disagree. My point is, what I'm doing, I'm just disagreeing on his pitch, on his approach when it comes to the, uh, the walk with Christ. That's all I'm saying. I don't want people to be misled. And I'm going to tell you why. How, what he said, he don't want nobody to be worried about their salvation. But he said it real fast. He said, I don't want y'all to be worried about your salvation. Because I believe he know people going to be writing him and understanding. I need to get better. I need to do this. I'll be scared. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to prove that. Because when you hear a message like that, your mind becomes sin conscious and works conscious. What you must do to stay in line with Jesus. And then something that Jesus said he freed you from and he take, took care of other things, the burden becomes right back on you in your mind. Man, I can't I can't live up to that with this brother's teaching. Man, I'm going to prove what people really think when they hear uh, a message like this. Let me let them finish. And then uh, let me go back to the uh, his, uh, his his salvation, his quick uh, look on salvation. Let me go back there. All right. This video was intended for you. This passage of scripture was intended for you because it's intended for you to take a close look at your life and ask yourself the question, am I really a Christian? Because the answer to that question could determine your entire eternal destiny. And if you want to be a Christian, the only prerequisite is that you believe. Because the answer to that question could determine your entire eternal destiny. And if you want to be a Christian, the only prerequisite is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But that belief, my friend, should be a byproduct, a natural byproduct of your belief should be honest. You, you don't really read your Bible. You don't really pray and you're really not going to church. And it hasn't just been that way for a short season. This has been 
a consistent theme of yours for most of your life. This video was intended for you. This passage of scripture was intended for you because it's intended for you to take a close look at your life and ask yourself the question, am I really a Christian? Because the answer to that question could determine your entire eternal destiny. And if you want to be a Christian, the only prerequisite is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I kept playing that back like that because I wanted to make sure I'm hearing what he says. He's he's saying what I'm getting out of this conclusion of what he's saying is if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not doing this and you're not doing that and you know you haven't prayed and you never have uh, such and such. I'm just paraphrasing in my way of doing this and doing that, whatever like that. Those are prerequisites or requirements that's proven that you're a believer. If you're not doing that, you need to um, this is my words, check yourself. You know, you're not really a Christian, right? Now, this is what I'm getting out of this. So, it's, it's really the way he's putting it out there, if you, these type of fruits are not showing you must check your Christian walk. Now, the words I'm saying, he's not saying this, but I'm trying to uh, relate. Is he saying that or not? Okay. All right. And then he came the way to be a Christian. Emphasis on Christian. And then he came with a salvation message, which I'm looking at. It got to be the salvation message where he presented. You have to believe in Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And boom, that was it. See, that was it. Now, the issue is not the belief part, but I'm going to get into that later. Now, when he said, if you're doing these things or you're not reading, many have, don't even do this, many don't do that, whatever like that, you know, that's evidently they must not be a Christian. Now, what I got to say about that, don't you know you got many believers that don't read their Bible, that don't do certain things that he said they're not doing? It might be because they have a fruit problem they still have carnality in them. Doesn't necessarily mean they're not a Christian. That's why we can't judge a believer on their acts sometimes. Some we can. You know, I, I judge a person that calls himself a believer about their faith statement. How do they be saved? That's how I judge a person back. And then they need to work on those things that they're having an issue with because it affects other people. But just basing it on them or whatever like that. Now, what he's saying is something that is true. Yeah, a lot of people that uh, self-proclaimed Christians are not Christians. I call them self-proclaimed Christians. If you put it in that term, I say, yeah, you're right. You got a lot of self-proclaimed Christians and everything. But, you know, but when he came to the faith, the belief part of it, you know, what it takes to be saved. I'm going to let him finish. Let me go back on that again. need something or you pray whenever something's in trouble but but you, let's be honest you you don't really read your bible 
you don't really pray and you're really not going to church. And it hasn't just been that way for a short season. This has been a consistent theme of yours for most of your life. Okay, now I get it. If a person is doing that and they don't have no type of fruits showing, yes, I will question that, uh, their, their Christianity or their walk. I'm using Christianity because that's how he's using it as a Christian. See, you look at Christian and people got a, a certain definition of what they think it is to be a Christian. Most of it is works what you do, correct? If you was brought up in the church, the majority of uh, proving that you're a Christian is not so much what you believe is what you're doing. Most other so-called Christians look at a person of what they're doing, not so much what they believe about how they became one, which is a mistake. Now, that's you can find that in church because people put on a pasama and put a re, on a religious Christian don't act when they in the church building. So if a person don't go to church, I don't base that off of them not being a believer. You know, yet, you know, I don't go to, to a church building because I understand the importance of being part of the church and I'm very careful who I, I'm around, you know, but that's another story. This is not about me. So basically, you know, you have to watch that and everything. But like he said, if you've been you have a long time, years and years and saying you are a Christian, but you live in a certain different life. Yeah, the majority of the time you probably not a Christian or a believer. I agree with that. I would agree with that wholeheartedly, see. But when you have a title called many Christians will go to hell because of this, I question that because you got to remember, if you're talking about Christians or self-claimed Christians or religious people, yes, I'm still trying to find out whether this, if this is what you're talking about now and they are not Christian, yeah, that I would put a title many professing Christians or self-claimed Christians will go to hell because of this. Not Christians. Because you kind of mislead people. And I'm not saying you're doing this purpose. I know Alan Parr, that brother ain't doing this purpose. But it might be misleading and everything, see. So the title is, I don't know if that's, you know what they call that bait that a lot of uh, YouTubers use, bait just to get you. I don't like baits. I don't like using baits. Because you're telling a person to lie just to get on your, just to go to your uh, YouTube channel. It's a lie. You're misrepresenting. It's a lie. Just be straight up with somebody. You know, I try to. I might put a little kick to something, but I, I don't. I, I make a person guess. Are you really a Christian because you did blah, blah, blah. But when you say many Christians will go to hell because of this, if you're talking about they do certain things and they believe certain things or they're not surrendering or they're not walking with Christ, if you're basing it on that, then, you know, that needs to be further explained. Okay, so let me let you finish. All right. This video was intended for you. This passage of scripture was intended for you because it's intended for you to take a close look at your life and ask yourself the question, am I really a Christian? Because the answer to that question could determine your entire eternal destiny. And if you want to be a Christian, the only prerequisite is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But that belief my friend, should be a byproduct, a natural byproduct of your belief, should be followed up with changed behavior and a desire to be a disciple, a fully devoted follower of Christ. So I pray that 
as you take a look at your life, you'll use these six principles to guide and assess where you're at on your journey of being a disciple of Jesus. And if you're a church leader, I pray that you would use this passage as scary as it may be, and it might scare some people away. But I pray that you use this passage to truly communicate what it means to be a disciple of Christ. I'll see you in the next video. Bye for now. Okay, that's it. Brother Alan Parr, he got a, he got a video, uh, a ministry called The Beat. The Beat. Okay. The, his ending. Did you notice something at the ending of, his, of this video, what he did not do? Or explain. I know it's time constraints, but that the thing he did not really get into should have been that it should have been more time spent on that. And what do you think that is? Just think about it. What do you think that is? If you said how to be saved, yes. If it was not explained one time in this video how to truly be saved. It was mostly spent on how to be a disciple. You, did you catch that? How to be a disciple of Christ. Now, I understand you could be talking about you are already in terms of Christian and you're trying to be a disciple. Was this message about being a disciple or about being saved or both? Since this title says many Christians will go to hell because of this, I still don't can't put the title with the message. Maybe he got another longer version, but I still find it. I can't get it. Maybe you. I don't. I can't put the title with the message. See, it almost sounds like a Christian can lose their salvation. Now, it would if it was a title like many professing Christians, even that, or many so-called Christians or Christians by name. At least that's where I would have put it. Will go to hell because of this. Now, why would any Christian? go to hell. If you look at that Christian as being part of the body of Christ, Christians don't go to hell because of nothing. You follow what I'm saying? If you look at that Christian and, and part of the, this is where I look at it. When you just saying Christians, the way Christians are used today, if the Christian is a believer in the body of Christ, no Christian will go to hell. They cannot lose their salvation. They will not go to hell if it's, if it's based on sins. See, Christians do not go to hell. But if you would have put none, I mean, self-proclaimed Christians or etc. like that, then I could say, oh, yeah, many Christians will go to hell. If, OK, let me backtrack. Even if they say self-proclaimed Christians will go to hell because they're doing this, that would still be false. Why? Because there's only one reason self-proclaimed Christians going to hell, their belief. See, it has to do with salvation, believing. Not what they're doing or not doing. Even if they were self-proclaimed Christians, they're not going to hell because of their falseness or being self-proclaimed or their sins. See, you might disagree. Or their sins, they're going to hell because they never believe what Jesus done. See, you, you understand what I'm saying? So, is this message for the Christian that's trying to learn how to be stronger in the faith by using the term discipleship? Or is it for somebody that think they are Christian? See, it's kind of confusing when you don't rightly divide and use scriptures out of out of uh, 
the, you put you pull scriptures from another administration or dispensation and you try to put it whatever like that. Now, how I what how I don't uh, Alan Power feel about dispensationalist or rightly divided? I don't know. I don't know, but I can see right now he's limited by listening to him. He's limited now. Limited don't mean I know better than him and he know better than me. Limited it means he's just limited on rightly dividing because he does rightly divide. He do, he wouldn't use it as a rightly dividing in the name uh, as far as calling himself a dispensationalist because that's a bad name and I understand why. But he does rightly divide quite a bit. You have sensationists which he sounds more like a sensationist which he say he's not that believes in you know a lot of the teachings of Paul what things really mean then they're called sensationists they they don't believe the gifts and the, the miracles and speaking of tongues is for today which they are correct on they understand that part they are called sensationists so I don't know what Alan stand he was he he came out of the same uh teaching that I came about word of faith and Pentecostalism but I don't know what he stands on that at all but I know he's he's pretty correct on a lot of doctrines when it comes to separating you know different things and how he feel about the Jews and Gentiles and the body of Christ and stuff like that I think he's still uh mixed that with some sometimes of the kingdom principles which most churches does and then it becomes confusing See, now let me tell you why this message will affect his followers and whoever's followers in a certain way. Okay, now let me try to uh, go down and have any. Yes, you have some here, and I hate the dark lady. So let me try to get a little closer here and read some of the reviews or the comments of some of the people. Now this is from Cassidy Campbell. Now this is these are some. Maybe some of his, his his followers. I don't know, but uh, it has a lot of replies, and I just I'm gonna tell you why I'm reading these. What people really think about a message like this? How does it affect them or their or their way of thinking about their walk with Christ? When Jesus said, "Depart from me, I never knew you," he's talking about people who thought they were saved because of their own works and didn't trust in Christ alone also being a disciple and being saved is not the same thing being a disciple and being saved is not the now she got me confused now she's saying being a disciple and being saved is not the same thing now if you look at it in context in jesus earthly ministry the requirement for salvation first of all they have to believe who he was period and then they get discipled. Of course, if they can't get discipled first, they have to believe who he was and continue to walk in his ways. See, so I don't know where she's going for that. That's why it's important to keep things in context with audience. Let me go to another one. Because uh, she got me on that one. I went to church for years, heard and knew the gospel, accepted it with my mind. But then one day the Holy Spirit opened up my heart and I truly accepted Christ with my heart. I couldn't stop crying. I was religious before that day, and I was saved that moment. There is a difference. Let me read this again. I went to church for years. I'm assuming she's talking about a church building, okay? And I heard and knew the gospel. She said she heard it and knew the gospel. Okay, let me see what she's going on this. Accepted it with my mind. 
Okay, she's saying she accepted the gospel with her mind. Okay, she just thought about it. So she just felt there was a gospel and she accepted it with her mind. I'm, I can't read her mind, but I, that's what she's going now. She's not really self-explanatory. But then one day the Holy Spirit opened up my heart and I truly accepted Christ with my heart. Okay, what well, she's saying, she accepted it by thinking about it first. And then she laid on down the light. The Holy Spirit opened her heart on how to be saved. I couldn't stop crying. I was religious before that day and I was say that moment there is a difference okay this is the same person because he got half a cent there is a difference okay this other guy saying faith over family sacrifice over self-centeredness uh, pain and pleasure relationship over religion that, that's Alan Parr okay here's another one I have been renewing my faith I tried before got baptized a couple of years ago but I didn't change going on about three weeks now I've been studying the Bible reading passages alone searching through YouTube Google questions and reading the Bible thank you for this I can feel the change in me however I still smoke cigarettes I know now this also is a sin and it rules over my mind and it is an addiction please pray that I get the strength and strive to move on and quit smoking and good amen okay here's another one all right, Christian Dominic Negus, brother Allen, I I command command you for teaching in a way that calls your viewers to righteousness. More of this kind of teaching is needed. There is so much garbage on YouTube. It is a joy to bear the word of God, cutting through all the noise. God bless you. Here's another one. This. This is gold. Thank you for making this. I have called myself a Christian for so long. I went to Christian school growing up and I never truly understood this until about a year ago. So many people need to hear this. Thank you. Here's another one. We can never be good enough. God takes us as we are. I believe wholeheartedly what is said in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you decide with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If you really believe in Jesus, you will wait to please him. You will want to please him. God works are not needed for salvation. They are evidence of salvation. What is okay? Here's another one. Thank you for this video. This is the best way I have ever heard this. When I got saved, I felt disconnected from everyone. I couldn't relate to the things of that this world. I still feel like no one really understands the sacrifice. Love this video. Here's another one. I posted this in my Facebook because it is so powerful and we all need to hear it. I lost eight friends and only two friends liked it. One of the friends I lost was someone that helped lead me to Christ. So that was really sad. I bet most of them did not even take the time to watch it, but just looked at the title. I don't now I don't see why they wouldn't watch it. Uh, especially if they brought them to Christ. I don't I don't get that one. Why they were watching. Okay, here's another one. Allen, Pastor Allen. Amen, I'm Pastor Allen, excuse me. You really opened up my eyes with this video. I became a Christian in December 2021, and this video has really made me think about it, all in order to have a definite answer, whether I want to be a disciple or not. Right now, I'm pretty convinced that, convinced I want to be a disciple of his, but definitely will think it over. May God bless us all. Let me use, I'm going to read a couple of more. 
Love you, Alan. God used you to change my life. When I was living in sin and wasn't sure how to come to Christ, I found your channel three years ago, and it's been such a great encouragement to me. Love you, brother. God bless. Last one. Brother Allen, honestly, you touched my heart. I lack so much. I don't fast. I pray a lot, but when I am tired, I prefer to sleep. I don't know how to talk to people about God. Not that I have tried. I don't need the Bible like I sh I don't read the Bible like I should. Please pray for me to do more and I always do it with joy in my heart. God bless you and I pray you continue your beautiful work and bring the word of God to all. Wow, this video was important and impactful. Thank you so much, brother, for posting this. Okay. Now, the majority, all of this feedback was good feedback for what Alan was saying in the video. Now, what I didn't see in none of these reviews uh, or comments was, how did they get saved? How do they know they're Christian? How, what makes them think they're a believer? And I don't mean that out of error because I didn't see nothing on these comments the gospel message of salvation. Most of them was what they felt they need to do more. Some of them even went as far as say, I, I was a, I thought I was a Christian in the mind, and then the Holy Spirit opened up my heart, and then I was a Christian in my heart. And you heard different type of comments. Nothing about the gospel of salvation. But what you heard a lot of, if you was. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listen to me reading Christian, Christian, Christian. How many people say they are a Christian? Based on what? People might not like me talking about this, but man, I am sincere. You are a Christian based on what? Not reading the Bible a lot? Not praying because you're smoking cigarettes? Those are mostly things in your life that you don't like you're trying to change and get out of. First of all, it has nothing to do with your salvation if you are truly saved. Okay, so I didn't see a salvation message or a way to be saved. I heard what people need to change and do. Now, none of that is wrong. But when you hear a message like that, it's not so much focused on the gospel of how to be saved. I'm sure it wasn't done like that purpose. Because he, he said that real fast, just believe and thou shalt be saved. And he didn't spend a lot of time on what areas you need to do to be saved. Now, he has a, a ministry and he has a Bible teaching program as well he I'm sure he gets more into details about how to be saved in that but I believe it's probably a lot of different ways 
he's putting out there on how to be saved. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to be honest with you, and this is kind of sad. I never seen nobody quote or even put down the gospel of salvation for today. It's always the kingdom gospel. Many self-proclaim and even many, well, you can't be a believer anyway if you're not saved, but many believers that got saved by believing that don't even put that in a curriculum. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. Okay. If you, if you, if you notice, if you read the four, Paul's teachings compared to the four gospels, how many times did Paul use the term discipleship? Okay, sorry about that. I had to pause. Let me give me my, uh, my outlook on this evaluation of the, the passage, this, this video has a, a good message when it comes to bettering yourself in Christ, how to walk better with Christ and do different things like that. Now, the aspects of requirements that Alan Power is saying that a believer today must do to become stronger. I don't think he's basing it on your salvation. He knows that. But basically to become stronger with Christ or what you must do or think about before you become a believer of Christ. Now, you might say, wow, that's strong. That's true. It sure is. Remember, the audience, who, who was talking? This is Jesus. He's talking to who? Mainly his disciples or the followers. Okay. What I'm going to do, I'm going to let the Bible interpret itself and the audience wise and everything like that. So that's to be fair to Alan and fair to the listeners. Uh, then I'm going to put it all together, you know. Okay. Let me read the, let me read the verse. Let me find it first. Give me a little second. All right. Luke 14. He started at 28. I'm going to go to some passages, verses above, because I like context. I like to get a start of what's going on. Okay, so... Let's go to, uh, oh, let me see. Bear with me. He was talking about marriage, another, why they could not leave. So all this is based on being a follower or a disciple of Christ is leading right to that. Being a follower of him or being a disciple. Let's go here. 18 says in Luke 14, 18, and they all with the one consent began to make excuses. Let, for the ones that don't understand the King Jimmy a lot, I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible, okay? So let's go to the Living Bible. But they all begin making excuses. Okay, let's go to 17. Jesus replied with the story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come to the banquet, it's, for the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and, mu and, and, and must expect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. In other words, I just got married. 21. 
the servant returned and told his master and they had said his master was furious and said go quickly into the streets and allies of the town and invite the poor the crippled the blind and the lame 22 after the servant had done this he reported there is still room for more 23. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. In other words, the King James said, and the Lord said to them, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel, invite them to come in that my house may be filled. 24. For none of those I first invited will get even sm the smallest taste of my banquet. Now, starting at 25, the disciples are tested. Discipleship is tested. See, put emphasis on discipleship. What Alan Powell was talking about Christian and discipleship. The cost of being a disciple according to following Jesus. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, remember the cost of being a disciple. This is the cost in that time. If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison your father and a mother and wife and children and brothers. Now, you know he's not saying you must hate people. You must love him more, point blank. You must choose him over them. Okay, that's what he's just saying, not hate him. And literally, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. So one of the requirements you know, I know Alan started at 28. I'd like to get in context above. One of the requirements to be a true disciple is those things he just mentioned above. Okay? You cannot be my disciple unless you, you, you surrender everything else and you follow me. Okay? 27. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. All right? 28. This is what he, Alan Parr started up. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who will begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? 29. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before <clears throat> running out of money and then every everyone will laugh at you. They will say, there's, the, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford listen closely, to finish it. Or what king will go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers. In other words, preparation, planning, marching against him, 20,000 marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Now, 33 says, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. He gets into the salt and the season and everything like that preparation. This passage, like Brother Allen read, is a preparation or the prerequisite of being a disciple. Okay, disciple of Jesus. Remember, the term Christian was not used then. So this is not talking about a Christian. This is talking about a disciple, a follower. I get the metaphor. You know, it's talking about disciples. a certain requirement for a disciple they had to own up to. First of all, the pastor talks about you need to think about it before you get into like Brother Allen was saying. You need to get yourself together. You make sure that you're ready or you're even prepared to follow this way because some, I'm paraphrasing now, some will fall off. You know, 
In other words, according to the passage, and I was living out a living Bible, it's a chance you will fall off or whatever, or you didn't finish the building. And et cetera, like that. And people will laugh at you, say, buddy, started this way and they never finished the building, blah, blah, blah. They're not worth this, they're not worth that. In other words, you know, I'm putting it in words today, like Brother Allen today, you fall off. In other words, you have to give up yourself, even your. You have to love your, your Jesus more than you love your mom, dad, wife, or anyone else. Your, you, anyone else in that day. Let's keep it in context. In that day. They had to give up everything. You know, you know what happened later on down the line. The disciples and the followers had to give up everything. They, they sold their possessions and everything. Because they was, had to go out there. They was preparing themselves for the kingdom. They would not need none of that. So the requirement to follow Jesus and to be a disciple... They had to do those things. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, let me put it in a rightly dividing context comparing it to the body of Christ today. What was requirement for the Jews, first of all, out of everything else, they had to believe who Jesus was for salvation. They had to believe that he was their king and they had to believe that he was their Messiah. Okay, first of all, not the requirements they had to do. See, they had to believe that first. And then their knowledge of the truth of being right with Christ, they had to continue to learn. They had to continue the Christ for him to be the disciple. They had to give up things. That was proof that they believed him. They had to show that proof by believing was doing those things. They had to give up. They had to leave homes. They had to sell everything. They had to have uh, an allegiance to Jesus. Jesus is on earth now. This is his earthly ministry. They had to put it in allegiance to follow Christ. See, that was the one of the requirements out of several they had to do to follow Christ of being a disciple. It was a very strict line for them for being a disciple. From all the way to what I read for 18 all the way to 30, and then it gets to the salt of the world. They have, it's just like you're in training. See? They was in training. The rabbis had to train. They had to train a certain way. They had to be an astute student, in other words, to follow Christ. Christ is the king. Christ was the Messiah, is the Messiah. Okay? Their king, their Messiah. So they had to give up, in other words, plainly everything you know spiritually and physically to be his disciple see so they have to also count the cost what it's going to take to follow me in other words it's going to take this to follow me like brother Allen was saying it's going to take this to follow me it's also going to take if you know the kingdom gospel and a kingdom message they will have to keep on doing this. Now, at that time, they can lose their salvation. They can lose their relationship. See, that was a requirement under the law. So they had to endure. They had to follow him. See, now, is that requirement for the church today? Are those require requirements for us to follow Christ today? See, for them to be righteous, they have to do something to show their righteousness. The body of Christ is already righteous through Christ. 
See, it's the righteousness of Christ. See, today for us, that comes with the package of salvation. See, you, you see that there, there's a difference. What was required for the disciples to be a disciple and a believer in under the kingdom program was works, conditions. They had to follow him to even hold on to their relationship and salvation. The body of Christ, all we have to do is believe. It's nothing else we have to do to get closer to him for our salvation. But we do have fruits and we go to the teachings of the Apostle Paul, Romans through Philemus, that tells the church today what we must do to grow stronger in Christ. See? Not not so much that we need to take up a cross because taking up the cross is not material things that we might ask for or you know how many many times we pray and stuff like that I'm not saying that's not involved but there's also persecution and suffering comes back then with taking up that cross and it was proven in their lives laid on down the line and in the book of life a book of Acts there was more to just uh, following Jesus and praying and listening to his teachings, they will have to go through the whole cycle of his physical pain. Pick, pick, taking up the cross back then, Jesus suffered on the cross. Jesus got persecuted, he got beat. If a disciple of Jesus had to take up the cross, it's certain things they will have to suffer and go through too. As well as Jesus said, the miracles that you seen me do, he's talking to his disciples and his followers. You shall do them too, but even more after I am gone. So not only were signs and miracles came with the disciples who later became apostles, suffering and persecution came with that as well. That's also part of picking up the cross. But that's under the kingdom program. That was the requirements for the, the followers and the disciples under the kingdom program. See, I'm not saying Brother Allen don't know that, but is you have to be very careful when you try to uh, put the two programs to, together. Because when Jesus was talking, he wasn't talking to the body of Christ or the future body of Christ. He wasn't even talking about no Gentiles, period. He was talking to the Jews and Israel. He wasn't saying, you know, we can grab that and just do it ourselves. Because when you teach that, you know, even though you mean well when you teach that, that puts a weight on a lot of listeners. Because you, like when I read the view, they were thinking out of power and blah, blah, and doing this and everything. But they was basing it mostly on, you know, I need to start doing this or whatever like this. I need to start doing this or whatever. What they need to do is almost like what I need to do to keep a closer relationship with Christ. Now, about him, a Christian is going to hell. I had an issue with that because no Christian goes to hell if you're looking at it in the term as being part of the body of Christ. See, you can get weak in your faith. You can slack up on a lot of things, but a believer that's sealed in the body of Christ with the Holy Spirit will not lose their salvation. They will not go to hell. Now, I'm not using him as a straw man and saying he's saying that, but, you know, I just, I just wish he would explain that better 
Now, many believers that read this out there believe the same way as Alan Parr. You know, what we must do, we have to do this and everything like that. We must keep on our prayer. We must, you know, attend the church more. We must read the Bible more. Now, all of those things are <clears throat> good. But to just base it on a person is not a Christian, if they don't do that, they should. But you have many Christians, young and old, don't really read the Bible and pray like they used to. They probably don't know when the last time they picked up the Bible. They would not get strong with the Lord, of course not. They probably would not even get a crown. I'm not in their shoes, I don't know. But they are still saved because the only requirement today is to believe what Jesus done. Okay, so I'm going to leave you with this. What bothers me, there was no salvation, a true salvation. First of all, if a person, and you explaining this, and you saying, people, you what if you found out if you really wasn't a Christian or you wasn't a Christian at all, what's the next thing you should do? Tell them how to believe, be a believer, not a quick, you know, all you have to do, believe and thou shalt be saved. Many, many listeners that are not believers, they're saying, okay, I believe in him or, and then they go back to, I'm going to let him in my heart. I'm going to try to live in a certain way to get right with God because the real gospel and the true gospel message was never presented in this video or under nobody else's reviews. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? The most important thing for any listener, believer and the unbeliever, you know, or the curiosity people that's just looking for some mess anyway, you know, they are not so much looking for a specific gospel message because many believers and so-called believers believe you can get saved different ways as long as Jesus' name is involved which is an error Many people will go to hell believing that that's in the church and it's our responsibilities as ambassadors of Christ to teach them and show them and teach them about the gospel, the reconciliation part, teach them about God is not charging them with sins, letting them know what it would take for them to be saved. We must, you know, teach them that way, okay? They don't have to have a master's degree of being a disciple. No, nobody does. Don't focus on discipleship because when you focus on being a, a straight ace disciple, it makes you too much of a person that's always sin conscious of what you must do and what you must not do. You're right back to works. And some people look at that as, man, I'm losing my fellowship. I'm losing my salvation. Even though he said that they, many people is not, they still kind of on the fence of are they saved or not because they don't understand what? The grace message of the gospel that many believers, sadly to say, good teachers, and like even like himself, are not teaching the gospel. And most of them will probably disagree with what I'm saying. They would even say that's the only thing you say about the grace gospel in the Bible. How many passages in the Bible about salvation you need to see to know how to be saved? God does not confuse you on that. When he put 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, he made a specific. Paul said the gospel of your salvation. No matter what translation you use, if that means what? This is the gospel that will get you saved. And then you go from there. 
This is what you must believe. You don't need a whole lot of verses to try to, okay, this is another one saying this way. There is in the Bible. But some people will not even take one verse of salvation. They might say, that's only one verse. How many verses do you need? When you're in that denominational type of thinking, that's the way you think. So, I've never seen nobody or even read besides uh, grace teachers that understand the different churches and the gospel of salvation use the real gospel message. They come quick, just like Alan Power just did, or others. Just believe, you believe, and thou shalt be saved. I know Romans 10, 9 and 10, they use John 3, 16, they use Acts 2 and 38, they use other passages, and the majority of them got something to do with the kingdom program of where I've been saved. Most of them. But i never seen one time since I've been rightly divided, nobody use or the real gospel today which is Satan's master plan the gospel of salvation 1 Corinthians 15 1-4 very simple that's the gospel for people to be saved it's only believing not what you do believing everything else works come after salvation not before salvation your forgiveness is before salvation not after salvation. See, see, the grace message is totally to the opposite of what most churches teach. Salvation first, and then your sins are forgiven. That is so true under the kingdom program. See, under the kingdom program. Okay, let me explain that. Under the kingdom program, when they... Salvation for the kingdom is first of all believing who Jesus was and the remission of their sins, their past, their sins they committed before, those are the only ones that get cleansed. Every other sin they have to still sacrifice and do type of things like that. You don't hear churches talking about that. What you hear them saying is you have to keep confessing your sins. You have to keep going up to the altar. Every time you sin, you got to keep confessing it. That's just the opposite like the Israel when the Jews Sin, they had to make a sacrifice. When the church today under the kingdom program sin, they call it confessing. See, they still try to follow the kingdom ways, but they're not sacrificing animals. They know if, if they was following the kingdom way wholeheartedly, the only way you can do that, even though it ain't going to get in the way, you have to get animals, bro. You have to start sacrificing and cutting up animals and stuff like that. Tell me what church doing that. If you want to follow the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, gospel program, where's your animals? I don't hear no sheep. I don't see nobody sacrificing different animals. I don't see none of that. That was the only one. It required blood, not your confession of your sin. It required blood because if, if, it, if, you, if God was judging us on the kingdom program, that confession is not enough. You will have to sacrifice an animal because it's all about a blood of something. Even from the beginning of time, our animals' for sins was forgiven because of the blood of a fresh, clean animal. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know how I got off on that, but it just bothers me, and I can understand why, okay? So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to get into something else. I'm going to let you listen to some more uh, so-called salvation messages, salvation messages that don't even mention nothing about the gospel of the day, which is so sad, you know. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. Until next time, I love you all. Peace out. The only way to be saved is first... Corinthians 15, 1-4, believing in the death, 
burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. You must really believe it in your heart genuinely. You just can't say it. You must believe it and receive it. Believe in what Jesus done on the cross. His death, and burial, resurrections. First Corinthians 15, 1 and 4 is the gospel of the day and the only way to be saved. And then we'll go through the knowledge of the truth. Then you have to work on the works to get closer to Christ. Not the other way around. You must be truly saved first. Works come later. God bless y'all. Peace out. Body of Christ, real tell. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.